1: All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you're having a great, happy Saturday night. It's summertime in Seattle, and we're loving it. And uh, perhaps we should say, "Viva la France! It's uh, that Bastille Day weekend. Hope you've got uh, raising a toast to uh, well to so all the dead bourgeoisie and uh, to power to the people. That's what's happening here, and we always like that. Um, and when you think about power for the people, the people's choice is is really about beer. And it's interesting. I've I've got uh, the face of uh, Chimay beer, which is from Belgium. It's a Trappist Abbey ale, and it's made by monks who have taken uh, vows of well, I don't know, silence. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not drinking, which is good. Uh, we've got this great beer. I've got three beers before me today. It's Premier Ale, saint Ale and the Grand Reserve. But more importantly, I have uh, the president of Mannequin Brussels Imports, which is based out of Austin, Texas. And he, uh, he's he got the history of Chimay, and we're going to celebrate the 167 years that will uh, uh, have existed. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, many Chimay, and uh, not to my dismay, but uh, this is really, really tasty, really fun and how appropriate that we get to, you know, have a little French influence, even though it's from Belgium. So right now, I'd like to welcome Luc Bobo van Mecklen. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour, Bobo.
2: Hello. Uh, Thank you very much for having me uh, as a guest today. Uh, It's interesting that you mentioned uh, the French Independence Day because, uh, you know, Chimay is only located actually about uh, three kilometers from the French border, so it's kind of appropriate.
1: I <laughs> thought it's also, so.
2: Yeah, and it's in the uh, French part uh, of of Belgium, as you know. Uh, we Belgians, we have three actually official languages. Uh, I'm uh, I'm Dutch-speaking or Flemish-speaking, and then you have the Walloons, who is French-speaking, and then you have the what they call the... Cantons of the East, where they speak uh, German. Wow! So we uh, we actually have three of for a small country like Belgium, we have three official languages.
1: Well, that's pretty so, fun. Uh, that means you have three different kinds of beer, right? You got the German beer, you got the French beer, and of course you got Stella Artois, right? <laughs>
2: yes, and actually that's my hometown. Uh, I am from Leuven, Belgium, so I kind of grew up drinking Stella Artois.
1: How about that? Now it's uh, it's a big beer, a big brand, uh, for, uh, just like Budweiser, because it's all owned by InBev. Um, but yeah, Chimay uh-huh. is one of those really boutique uh, products that came from a place where uh, back in the day these were the, the Let's talk about the monks, the monasteries. They were the, the educated people. They, they knew how to read and write, and they were the basically the scholars of the times, and they also had to um, have an agrar- agrarian society, so they, they made their own food. They brewed their own beer. They made their own tinctures and distillates, uh, among other things. I'm not sure about the clothes, but they wore those robes, so it probably wasn't too hard to make those. But let's talk about you. How did you get in the beer business? And you are from Brussels, so I guess that's an easy answer.
2: Leuven, Leuven. I'm from Leuven.
1: Leuven, got it. I'm <laughs> close, sorry, yes. Close to, I meant, close, to,
2: close to Brussels. I meant Belgium. Uh, I actually, said Brussels. <laughs> but uh, actually, uh, it, it started all uh, in 1977, 78. Uh, there were a couple Americans that uh, had a law degree, and they did one year of international law, actually at the University of Brussels. But they used to come and party uh, in my hometown, that is the city of Leuven, where, as you mentioned before, Stella, Stella twice brewed, and we also have uh, one of the oldest Catholic universities in Europe that goes back to 1452. So it's a great party town.
1: <laughs> and you uh, can you can pray for forgiveness after you party too hard, right? <laughs>
2: uh, well, yes, we can. <laughs> and uh, so uh, so these these American friends of mine, they used to come and drink beer and uh, we, we did a fair amount of drinking Duval and Chimay and some other and some, and of course, who garden at the time. And in 1978, uh, they had their, uh, their school year was over and they had to move back to the United States. And, uh, they basically said, oh, man, we're going to miss all these great, uh, great Belgian beers. What are we going to do? And, uh, one of the partners, there was uh, two guys actually three guys from Texas. Two Americans and a Belgian fellow that married the girl from Corpus Christi. And the other partner was from Chicago and the uh, Chicago uh, partner his parents were somehow in the liquor business up in, in the Midwest and so
1: <laughs> Gangsters? He had some
2: knowledge about in the liquor business.
1: Oh, I was going to yeah. say like gangsters, you know, in Chicago, the old... Uh... Well,
2: I, yeah, but, well, <laughs> you know...
1: Probably not. Uh,
2: who knows, maybe bootleggers or... Yeah. But anyway, uh, and he, uh, but he stayed in Belgium. He actually uh, opened a, a law firm in Brussels and stayed all his life, and unfortunately we lost him when he was in his mid-50s uh, due to cancer, but... So, long story short, so 1979, I decided to come and pay a visit to my friends uh, in Austin, Texas. And they talked me to open up a uh, bar, a Belgian bar and a restaurant. Because my background is uh, I'm four-generation uh, restaurant business and in my hometown living. And we still have a pub in the family that goes back to uh, 1880. That is actually been uh been hold by my father's youngest brother and his uh his son wow so they go like hey bobo you should open up a and the place was called gambrinas and so they wanted me to open up a cambrinas in austin texas so I called my parents made a business proposition long story short they loaned me the money and before i knew it i was <laughs> i was in business in austin texas uh with a Belgian bar and restaurant. Needless to say, way ahead of my time. But
1: <laughs> yeah, thinking you're going to fight uh, that Lone Star beer down there.
2: Well, it was still slits, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a lot of slits and uh, the beginning of uh, Shiner Bach. Uh, but anyway, so I, I did that for uh, pretty much 10 years. So as a restaurateur, I promoted. Of course, uh, Belgian beers, and in 1983, Chimay came. Uh, my friends imported uh, Chimay, so and I would of course, been uh, friends with the importer. I had all the glassware on the coasters and, and all the point of sale that you uh, that you get in Belgium. So it was fairly unique that you could uh, in Austin, Texas, you could come and drink a beer and be served in an appropriate glass when you were drinking. Uh, Belgian beer
1: the chalice right is and, that what they call it the chalice yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah the chalice and uh so what I had all the appropriate glasses the Hoogarden glass the the Chimay glass the Duver glass uh, whatever beer we brought in at the time uh, I had the appropriate glass and so my, my role was uh, besides giving uh, serving them Belgian food with a little bit of a Texas twist to it
1: <laughs> uh, Would you put some hot sauce hot on sauce. there or something? <laughs>
2: yes, and I started uh, using jalapenos
1: and burgers. But
2: I made a, I made. A, I was one of the first guys to put a burger with blue cheese and a burger with bearnaise. No way! Really?
1: Out. I love that yeah. blue cheese burger, man.
2: Yeah, and I made uh, I made my own fries. So I fried them twice, like in Belgium. Made my own mayonnaise. You couldn't get any ketchup because I said, "No, no, no! You need, first need to try mayonnaise." That's you right. Nope. If you can not eat your fries with mayonnaise, I'll bring you ketchup. Too funny! You need to try, and eighty percent of the people actually uh, like the uh, the concept of fries and mayonnaise. But
1: that's so great. So that was. Uh, I like yep, that. Good. Well, um Well, I was going to say that, you know, my fa- my great-grandfather is 100% Dutch, and my grandfather is 100% Dutch, and he owned a tavern in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, serving Schlitz beer. And uh, back in the day, this is back in the, the early 1900s and the 1940s, and um, he lived to be like 99. So you got a bunch of Dutch heritage in you. And you're going to live a long time, and you can drink a lot oh, of beer.
2: I, my, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh <laughs> that for 10 years, and then uh, Pierre Sellers sold his brewery, O'Garden, to Stella Artois. Right. With, with that money, came to Austin, Texas, and so at that point, I worked for a distribution company uh, as a brand manager uh, for the Sellers Brewery, but we also happened to have a Chimay and, and Duvel in the portfolio, so I kept on selling uh, Belgian beers in Central Texas uh by the late 1999s my friends in the import business said hey i think we can afford your paycheck why don't you come and work for us and so uh so i've been working in the import side of it uh pretty much almost 18 years now
1: that's great uh yeah and of course you're so, trilingual and- so you can talk it up and you can negotiate do they do a lot of negotiation when you're talking to the belgians
2: well in in the beginning it was quite interesting because uh yeah they they obviously knew that I was a uh, Belgian. they go well and uh, what where do you fit in here and I said well uh you know I'm the grandson of uh, Cambreners in Leuven and, and every old brewer there most most of them are dead now they they knew my grandfather because at the time the university of Leuven was the only university where you could study to become a brewmaster. Wow! So all these old brewers, they used to come because they, the the pub of my grandfather was on the main square in Leuven and been there since 1880. So so that kind of broke their eyes, so to speak, because uh, a lot of people uh, knew my grandfather and uh, probably felt a little bit more comfortable with having a Belgian uh, selling their beer in the United
1: States. I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure. You, got more you have some good pedigree there. I'm speaking with Luke yes. Bobo van Mecklen, who is the president of uh, Mannequin Brussels Imports, based out of Austin, Texas. Now, that company, of course, you import Chimay, and you distribute it. or Are you distributor? or you just import it?
2: We we import to every state in the United States.
1: Ah, okay. So we,
2: we're strictly Chimay. We are strictly import Chimay, and that's all what we focus on. And, uh, we're, yes, you can out, you can punch in every state of the union.
1: Ah, fantastic! Well, uh, lucky for me, and I just picked up three beautiful bottles here. Um, these are quite handsome bottles. They're they're heavy. They they have a an old, uh, definitely a, a mid eighteen hundreds look. They have broad shoulders, long neck, and and a, a big round base and a big round uh, opening at the top. But it's but it's it's kind of beveled or, or chiseled here. Is this bottle known as something special, or is there a name for this bottle?
2: The um- I assume you picked up the 750 milliliters, yes. correct? The big yes. bottle, the cork uh-huh. finished.
1: Yeah, I go uh, big.
2: No, I, I, I don't have any particular name for that. It's just that it was the traditional bottle of beer. I guess in the uh, in the 1800s, one day in 1862, when they started uh, bottling beer, and it's cork finished like champagne because Chimay the Shime beer is alive, so it's never been pasteurized. So you have a re-fermentation in the bottle. I, it's that's actually you...
1: it's exploding out of the bottle right now, all over my desk. Here there you
2: go. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's why sometimes sometimes they call it the champagne of beer. Oh, uh, because you, you have a little bit of that sparkling. Uh, it's the sparkling taste to it when you drink the beer, and that's also why we use a, a challenge so that you have a little bit of that carbonation. That can come out of the beer when you when you pour it in there. Pouring Chimay in a pilsner glass would never work for you.
1: Right, it gets a lot of head. I can say that I don't have the right yeah. chalices uh-huh. here. I've got little wine tasting glasses, yeah. but go figure. Uh, um, okay. This is great. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we i uh, are going to take a little break here. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to start talking about what makes uh, Trappist ales uh, unique and special. Some of the history there, and then what makes Chimay so deliciously. Um, appetizing and interesting. I, I have the Premier L, the 500 L Ale, and the Grand Reserve, and I have the great fortune of speaking with Luke Bobo Van Mecklen, who is the president of Mannequin Brussels Imports out of Texas, Austin, Texas. And Austin's pretty hip. Uh, you guys are really hip. You had a Belgian place 30, 30 years ago now, and uh, now you're you're the sole importer of Chimay for the United States. Um, hey, Luke, so stick around, uh, Bobo. When we come back from this break, I'm getting thirsty, so we're going to jump into some of these great Right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: A Northwest Original Lars Larson Live, weekdays noon to three. Talk Radio five seventy KVI. KVI, want to know weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to segment two, round two. Have you got something tasty in your glasses or heading to someplace delicious on this lovely Saturday night in the twilight summer? Of Seattle, I've got uh, three big bottles of beer and uh, a really cool cat on the other end of the phone. It is Luke Bobo Van Mecklen, the president of uh, Mannequin Brussels Imports, the sole importer of Chimay Trappist Abbey Ale, which is uh, one of the finest in Belgium. Uh, it's kind of a French deal since they're so close, and how appropriate being Bastille Day weekend. Hey, Bobo, um, let's talk about what makes a Trappist Abbey Ale so unique.
2: Well, the uh, as as you mentioned uh, before, is the Trappist. Uh, well, not only in general, monks used to have the knowledge uh, of what was going on. They were, as you know, in France, they distilled liquor. Uh, what comes to mind is Benedictine, Chartreuse, uh, Dom Pérignon invented the champagne, and uh, the, the Trappist monks. Uh, basically specialized in beer. Now let's go a little bit deeper into this. The reason why, because when I started selling Chimè, there was only seven Trappist monasteries that brewed beer and six of those were in Belgium and one in the Netherlands. And actually today, I believe, you have 11 Trappist monasteries that that brew beer. And Uh, one's in New York now, I hear. No, it's outside of Boston. It's called Spencer. Okay. <laughs> Thank uh, you for correcting so the, me. Oh, yeah, I know. I know, I know the, the Yeah, more so Catholics yeah. in Boston,
1: yeah. I guess. More Catholics in Boston. A lot yeah. of Protestants in New York.
2: Yeah, so yeah, but you have still the six Be- uh, Belgian ones. So you have two in the Netherlands now. You've got one in Austria. And you've got one in the United States since I would, I'm guessing now probably three years, called Spencer, was about an hour uh, west of west of Boston, and then you have a very small one also in Rome that's called Cres Fontanas. So uh, one of the reasons why the Belgians ended up with, with six monasteries is that uh, because of Napoleon, uh, when Napoleon was uh, was emperor of France, uh, he had a disagreement with the Pope, and he, he basically... Uh, seized all the uh, real estate of the Catholic Church and burned some of the monasteries down and uh, so the the monks moved north, but they couldn't move too far north because the Dutch and of course most of the Germans are Lutherans, so they kind of got stuck there uh, in the northern part of France and uh, actually Belgium at the time were called the Lowlands and since we don't have any grapes, uh, we don't grow any grapes in in uh, in Belgium, uh, so they decided to brew beer because we have obviously a lot of grain, and so <laughs> that's why that's where we we ended up with six Trappist breweries in in, in Belgium. So in the case of Chimay, uh, the uh, monastery was was uh, built in 1850. Uh, and they started brewing beer in 1862. So before they were uh, farmers, they made cheese, and of course they made their own bread and uh, their own vegetables. And what's very interesting, if you look at the bottle of Chimay, it probably says on on the back or around the neck, it will say Abie de scrumont. So what's very important is to tell the people the difference between a Trappist beer and an Abbey beer because this is very confusing because Chimay is brewed at, at the Abbey of Scourmore. Now, uh, the reason the beer is called Chimay is that uh, there is a small town called Chimay, big castle and a prince. And the prince donated in 1850 the land to the monks to build their monastery. So, when they started selling beer in 1862, they called the beer schme in his honor.
1: That's a nice uh, gesture. Yeah. And he probably got a cut so, of the beer, right? He got 10% or something.
0: That,
2: that, no, no, well, I guess in those days, you know, uh, according to the monks, what he gave was not the, the land was not very, uh, not very good. That's uh, probably why he gave it away. Maybe he got a tax write off. Who knows? But oh, then, yeah. obviously, they worked the land, and now, now, uh, one hundred and one hundred and fifty-five years later, I'm sure you wish you had the land back. But <laughs> uh, so, uh, so the one thing that people need to to uh, remember is the difference between a Trappist beer and an Abbey beer. A Trappist beer, there's three rules: it needs to be brewed inside the walls of the monastery, uh, no commercial investors. And they give ninety percent of their net net proceeds away, because the monks, when they when they join the monastery, they take a of property. So uh, a, an Abbey beer is a commercial brewer. For example, everybody knows Lev. where well, Leffe is brewed by Stella Artois, uh, Maredsous is brewed by by Morkert. uh you know, Afrogem is uh, brewed by uh, by Heineken. So Usually, an Abbey beer is a commercial brewer that uses the image of a monastery or the history of a monastery to promote his specialty beers. Right. So if you have a Trappist beer, you stick with the three rules. And the monks in the early 90s got together, the six Belgians and the Dutch one, and said, we need to protect the name Trappist and so, in 19, I believe it's 1992, they they protected the name Trappist, like the name Champagne or Cognac uh, is protected. So nobody else besides uh, those Trappist monasteries can call their their beer Trappist, because you need to you need to uh, satisfy the three the three rules. And as you know, most of the brewers they don't give ninety percent of their <laughs> net proceeds away. So, no, they don't. So yeah, so that's a big difference. Also, Trappist are, are if you go to Belgium, their reputation is uh, is is very respected. Uh, the fact that they usually they don't cut any corners. Uh, they uh, in the case of Chimay they use their own wells that have been digged there since. 1850, and uh, if, if you ever have a chance to go to Chimene, you'll talk to one of the fathers and said Father, what's the secret of your beer? They're going to say, well, there's two secrets. One is water, and number two is yeast. And so we'll come back to the to the wells. The wells been there since 1850, so they're also farmers. They never used pesticides, so they pay a lot of attention that none of the pesticides seek in their well. Uh, Deep in their wells, and uh, the second is that Father Theodore, uh, after World War II, because we the monks lost all their yeast during the war, because they were uh, the monastery was occupied by the German army and the monks got kicked out and the equipment got destroyed, and so we lost the yeast. So after World War II, Father Theodore actually spent three years of his life perfecting the yeast. Uh, for Chimay. so he made a small microbrew every day, and uh, with a different yeast cell till he came up with a perfect yeast of Chimay. and till today, in the, all the beers that are in front of you, the yeast in that beer goes goes all the way back to uh, to uh, basically 1948. Wow! So the beer gets yeah. So that's that's one very important thing about Chimay. So those are the two secrets of Chimay, quality of the water. Uh, the, the yeast strain, and then all the grains that go in the beer are grown to the specifications uh, of the monks by local farmers. So they try to reinvest a lot of the money that they generate from Shimei in the local economy. So they don't buy grains from uh, too to far, you know, from, uh, they try to buy them really in the region. They may buy a little bit in, this, in, in the northern part of France, and majority around Chimay if they can. Interesting. So, so
1: is, do these uh, sure. do these monks actually uh, speak or pray in French, or do they pray in German, or is it this is the French part of town, well, right? They,
2: most, most of the time when I go and visit them, and, and I usually only talk to, well, over the years I've known several, several monks, uh, but usually I always uh, talk to the monk that's in charge of the brewery. Uh, in general, you don't see the rest of the community well, you may see them but you you don't have any uh, interaction with them uh because they're monks and uh, they uh, <laughs> they get up every morning at four, i believe it's three thirty so uh, they need to go they need to go and pray seven times a day so they physically go to the church seven times a day and pray uh they as i mentioned they're a silent order and they're vegetarian oh they
1: are silent so, uh,
2: yeah, they are a silent order now. That said, uh, they have, uh, they will have meetings and, and obviously some of the monks need to, to talk to the lay people that, that work for them. So there are, but in general, when, when you, when you walk around in the monastery, I mean, you can, I mean, you can adore open, open creek. I mean, it's perfect silence. Wow. It's, it's, uh, it, it's very, uh, it's very relaxing.
1: I wonder if uh, they text a lot. Do they? You think they text each other a lot? <laughs> uh, I haven't seen too many monks with with cell phones. Oh, that's honest. good. Uh, 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 they're purists. I love so- it. Hey, you know, we're going to yeah, take dude. a break here, and I'm getting pretty thirsty, so I'm going to pop some of these uh, these three beautiful bottles of Chimay. Sure, and sure. Uh, Luke, Bobo, Van Mecklen, when we come back from this break, you're going to tell me all about the Premier Ale, the saint saint and the Grand Reserve Ales, all from the Trappist Abbey of Scourmont in uh, Belgium, just outside of Brussels somewhere, I think. We'll come back right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Big news Sean Hannity Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI It's KVI Want to Know Weekends And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio Now back to Seattle, Somalia Christopher Chan
1: Hey, Seattle, welcome back. Time for segment three. And lucky me, I've got three bottles of Chimay Trappist Abbey Ale from the Scourmount Abbey in Belgium. And I've got Luke Bobo van Mecklen. He is the president of um, Mannequin and Brussels Imports, which is the sole importer and distributor of Chimay for the United States. Lucky us. Hey, Bobo, let's start talking about these, these beers. Um, tell me about this premier ale. Obviously, it means the first ale, if I remember my high school French.
2: Yep. So, uh, Chivet Premier is, uh, as you mentioned, the French word for the first beer, uh, produced the first time in 1862. Uh, if you need to put a style to it, you can call it a Belgium double. Uh, obviously Trappist style, uh, because of the rules that I explained earlier. And then you, uh, we have also the Chimay Saint-Xant. That is basically a little bit of our younger beer. Uh, that is uh, that goes back to 1967 and was Father Theodore, the uh, the monk that uh, took care of the, the yeast in 48 was his favorite style of beer, so uh, they decided to uh, to add a third uh, chime to their portfolio, and as you mentioned, you're going to finish with the Grand Reserve, what used to be our Christmas beer, is an extension of the premiere and it's 2% higher, it's maltier, it's, uh, it's, it's more robust, it's a warmer beer. And by the way, the Chimé Premiere is about 50% of the production of Chimé beers. Uh, let's speak a little bit more about uh, production. People always think that we're bigger than, than we are because the name is so well-known, Chimé. But Chimé only does about 175,000 barrels a year what is basically the equivalent of about 2.5 million cases, and we bring about 300,000 cases to the United States. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, fermentation process. You usually have two, two, three, five days in the tank at Chimay, about two to three days for the Premier, five days for the Grand Reserve, then we put the beer in a tanker truck, and we put a little bit more candy sugar and yeast in the tanker truck, and then we take it seven miles down the road uh, so the beer gets shaken up. There it goes to the bottling facility, and uh, we do a second fermentation in the bottle for 27 days at about 70, 75 uh, degrees so uh, people, a lot of people ask why is the bottling facility seven miles away from the monastery because it's pretty unique at Chemin is that we need to keep the monastery extremely quiet. So, and, and as you right. know, in, in Europe, they recycle all the empty bottles and, and so there is a lot of uh, noise being made <laughs> at the bottling facility and so that's why they decided to... Uh, to move that uh, a little bit uh, away from the monastery, because if you drive up to the monastery, you will never know that there is a brewery there, unless they're brewing and you can smell it. Because when we need to put new fermentation tanks in, they actually take the roof apart and lower the tanks.
1: Oh, right. The That's a historic building. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So are these open-top fermenters? Are these wild yeasts? I know he, he no. isolated it, no, no. but so they're not, it's not Britannomyces, uh, it's Saccharomyces cerevisiae. No, no.
2: So basically what happened in the mid-80s, uh, they went from open fermentation, not spontaneous fermentation, but they went from copper, copper uh, vessels and open fermenters, they went completely to stainless steel. Uh, so everything at Shime is state-of-the-art. And that is, that if you talk to the monks, they said, we use the best ingredients and the best equipment to our knowledge to produce the best product. So they stay up with technology. Now, if you go to a smaller monastery, sometimes you may go to a shore or a vault. They, they still, because they are smaller, uh, they still use a copper but I, I would assume, and I, it's been a while since I've been there, that everything is in pretty much fermented in stainless steel these days because quality control is it's a whole lot uh, better.
1: Sure. Now I, I purchased these beers this evening, and uh, in the last two hours, they've they've kind of temped up. So it's just, just kind of a slight chill to this beer. And I, I almost say that's kind of the right temperature because this doesn't have a lot of hops. It doesn't have a lot of acidity or, or tartness. This is really more of a um, a multi-flavored beer. It's got more malt flavor, a little more grain flavor, um, the touch of uh, you know that brown sugar or caramel note. Um, and the hops are very, very soft. They're just slightly bitter on the finish, which helps clean up that malt taste. How do you describe Premier Ale? Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the the premiere, as I mentioned, it, it's a double. It goes it goes very well. Uh, it goes very well with chicken, for example, or with rabbit, or uh, <laughs> uh, so. It's 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 a beer that goes with a lot of, of food. Uh, the the, the Saxon, for example, I like to drink a little bit colder. Uh, particularly, that's the one that you see on draft uh, quite a little bit too. So that particular one and since I live in Texas I like my beer fairly cold uh, it goes great with seafood now when you drink the Grand Reserve there you can easily go into the, the mid 40s uh, because otherwise if it's too cold you will lose too much of flavor of the beer but so saint great with seafood fried oysters uh, goes really well with that and then you have the Grand Reserve winter time Uh, cream sauces, gamey food, uh, raspberry chocolate dessert, uh, cigar smokers, (laughs) great beer to, to have a cigar with too.
1: Well, interesting. We have so, some laws up here in Washington which allow us to smoke some other things these days. Quite interesting. Uh,
2: uh, that's right. Your guys changed the law. That we did I think up here. It's going to be a while in Texas before we see that.
1: Uh, ha, ha. Well, you know, I've moved on from the Premier Ale and I'm tasting the saint Saint. So it does have a little more hop flavor. Where do these hops come from for this Belgian beer? Well,
2: they they used to they used to, uh, but no longer. For a long, long time, actually, they came from the Cascade region.
0: Really, they came
2: from your neighborhood. Because in uh, after World War Two, the monks were liberated by the American Army, and they said, w- "What they can were we liberated by?" <laughs> <Like that. laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they were actually yeah. They kicked the Germans out and gave the monastery back to uh, to the monks. Uh, I believe it was Patton's army that uh, liberated the uh, monastery of Chimay. and and so the monks were very thankful because a lot of American soldiers died in the Belgium Ardennes where. She is located, so they they bought for many many years. They bought Cascade hops to use in some of their beer, but since the I I'm gonna have to guess it a little bit because of the craft brewing industry, it became way too expensive to start bringing hops in because all the hops were consumed by the American brewers. So right. most of the hops, the hops uh, are cultivated in Belgium and Germany.
1: Well, that makes yeah, sense, cool. and you know, that it becomes more local, part of the uh, protected yeah. appellation of origin. Um, uh-huh. I'm, And I think this, this Saint-Saëns is, ale is actually really quite tasty. Uh, we have a lot of hopped beers here in the United States. It seems like everybody wants mm-hmm. to have bitter, bitter, bitter. But at some point, you get fatigue. I think hops can be over-taxing uh, on the palate and a little fatiguing, and if not, also an allergen to some degree. But this, is, this has a soft body. But I also like the fact that uh, this is, what, eight? Eight percent. So Premier it's, L is seven so, percent. Yep. seven, seven for the Premier, eight for the the
2: saens and then then uh, 9% nine percent for the Grand Reserve.
1: Yes, yeah. and I'm moving on to the Grand Reserve also, now. This is uh, this yeah. is quite a multi. Uh, it has it has some hints of fruit in there. There's some fruit notes like uh, and, per- and there
2: there's no spices in the beer. So all all that flavor that you get out of the beer it's all because of the yeast uh that really gives you you know you have some banana cloves in there i mean it's it's a very complex beer and and the oldest Grand reserve i personally consumed at the monastery it was 35 years old wow so, so, the monks brought a bottle out of their out of their basement, and we uh consumed the thirty five year old shoemaron
1: dessert very cool well i used so to homebrew, I used to home brew, and so I've got some beers with some age on it too uh so yeah. fun. Hey, are you coming to Seattle anytime
2: uh I'll probably make a trip i think uh, maybe in September.
1: Okay. Well, when you come up to, uh, I'd love to meet you in person, have you here on the show, try some more of these Chimays and and hear from you personally. Um, Luke Bobo van Mecklen. Hey, thank you so much for spending some time with me. The president. Very of, welcome. Yeah, I love Chimay. I'm glad that I have three bottles here. Uh, they're big bottles, and I'll have to share them with my pal Kevin. So, um, uh, <laughs> okay. merci beaucoup, mon ami, and au revoir. Au revoir. au
2: revoir.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, that's uh, Bubbo. He goes by Bubbo. Luke, Bubbo, van Mecklen. What a treat. Uh, Hey, I got to tell you about the Psalm Summit we just just wrapped up. When we get back from this break, so stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, I had a great time with Bobo uh, Van Recklen. Uh, what a character. He'll be here in September in the Seattle area, so hopefully we can reconnect with him. Uh, and I just got, uh, got done hosting the International Wine and Spirit Symposium here in Seattle. The first one in 25 years. It's called Psalm Summit the inaugural SOM Summit, the Sommelier Summit, but it's open to collectors and enthusiasts and media and tasting room people and brewers and distillers. And we talk about the world of wine, beer, spirits. Uh, we'll do cider next year, but I just want to let you know that it was really, really fun, held over at South Seattle College Campus. But here's some of the presenters and the people who were uh, were joining us. We had um, the founder of For the Love of Port, Roy Hirsch, is a Seattle guy, and he's uh, been decorated by the Portugal... Uh, Society of Port Producers, so he's one of those port royalty guys. He was here tasting eight vintages of uh, Kopke Port. Now, Kopke is the oldest port house in the world in Portugal, of course, and uh, they started in the late 1600s and we had... um, What we call colletas, and that is a port that was vinted in a certain year and kept in the wood until they want to bottle it. So we had a 1937, a 1941, a 1957, 67, 99, 2001, 2003. It was phenomenal. I mean, think about all those ports. If you like Tawny Port, Kopke's is one of the the greatest because they've got, it's just the the longest and greatest history, and of course, all those vintages, and they make great graduation gifts and wedding gifts and all that stuff. In addition, um, old pal Christopher Miller, master sommelier down in Los Angeles, he was with the Somme Journal Magazine, and uh, their publisher held a panel talking about coastal vineyards, and it was quite interesting because we talked about how coastal vineyards when you think about the world of wine you know bordeaux could be considered coastal vineyards because they're right there in the estuary of the gironde of Seattle's got Puget Sound Appalachians, so we could have some coastal vineyards. And, of course, you've got Sonoma Coast, and uh, you you just talk about the whole of California. You've got a lot of different areas where they've got wind, uh, marine influence, and even in Oregon. Uh, But they had wines from around the world. It was really fascinating. In addition, we had um, Wendy Narby, who teaches at the Bordeaux School. Or uh, the School of Wine in Bordeaux, and, um, it's called the, uh, the L'Ecole de Vin in Bordeaux, if you're French. And she is the Bordeaux expert. So the wines of Medoc were hosted and featured here at Somme Summit. We had an assembly. We tasted, uh, eight different wines, three or four being Cru Classe, Fort Vivant, uh, Chateau Desmarell, and Cantemurle, and I think there was another one. But what a, a fantastic opportunity to have an expert sh- walk you through the um, Appalachians and the Crus of Bordeaux. In addition... Local beer guy, and you just heard the show, Charles Finkel. Well, he is started in 78 just like they did with Chimay here. And Charles Finkel held up Beers of the World. He's the producer for um, Pike Brewery, the founder. And they have that new place just opening now. It's called Tankard & Ton. It's an oyster bar with lots of beer on draft. It's right in the Pike Place Market. They have a view. It's nice and clean. And I'm sure it's tasty. I can't wait to check it out. Um, some of the other presenters include uh, Jim Clark. And he's been on the radio show. He's from the Wines of South Africa out of New York. They presented Sparkling wines of South Africa called Method Cap Classique. It's made the champagne style. Um, Absolutely delicious. We did that Monday morning. How do you start off a wine symposium? You start off with sparkling wine on Monday. That was a kick. But on on Sunday, we had local master of wine, Joel Butler, who is the owner of uh, World of Wines in Redmond. He held a Syrah tasting with some of the finest Syrah producers here in Washington State. Jean-Francois Pellet from Pepper Bridge uh Sean Boyd from Roti, uh Richard Funk from Savaya, uh, Chris uh, Peterson from Avenia we had um a french we we had some french wine and it was really a fantastic um, Presentation about what makes Grand Cru vineyards here in Washington. Are we the new Northern Rhone? Are we the new place for great Syrah and, and perhaps even some Marsan and Roussan or Viognier? Um, also, had a, a local guy named Ken Avedizian, and he works for WineBid. WineBid has an office here. So he scours the country, goes to buy people's cellars. You know, people collect wine, and go, God, I'm going to sell it. He goes to buy them, and he brought wines that he has online that you can buy, and the idea is that, well, you never know what you get online, but with WineBid, you do, because he opened up these wines from the 80s and the 70s and in the 90s, and they were they were perfect. They were beautiful, and they they talk about provenance. It's so fun. Um, Psalmsummit.com. We're going to be uh, gearing up for 2018 here at some point. Um, but we also had Quilcita Creek. We had the wines in New Zealand. We had uh, a Lusdau Sherry certification class. Um, wines of Napa Valley with David Glancy, Master Sommelier. It was amazing. I want to thank all the people who helped put this together. Peggy Reddy, um, Mom and Dad. Uh, we've got uh, our great um, Samoyes, Nick Davis, Andrea uh, Fulton Huggins, and Stephanie Shrankle, and Melinda Wells. So many other people and all the volunteers. Thank you so much. And of course, the crew and Jane Rockworld at uh, South Seattle College. Um, it was a lot of fun. I'm kind of worn out. That was a week ago already, but uh, I've got some Chimay beer. Hope you're having a great time when you're out and about. Remember, life's always better with a designated driver. Cheers!